You're listening to the Bill Kelly Podcast. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. This is the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions for our critical times. I'm your host, Bill Kelly, and it's time to do a roundup on, on politics. And I, we we're kind of going back and forth here about uh, what's going on. I mean, there's a Manitoba election that's uh, that's happening this week. Uh, lots of stuff going on in B.C. politics as well. Uh, but a lot of the focus over the last little while has been in Ontario, uh, and we're going to get to that in just a second, and also in federal politics. And, and the focus, of course, is on the two leaders, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, and the Ontario Premier, Doug Ford. And uh, uh, what's the old thing about being up your ass and alligators? And I think both of them could relate to that with what's happened over the last couple of weeks in particular. Joining us to talk about this is the Badger, Richard Brennan, uh, who covered Queen's Park and uh, Parliament Hill for so many years. Uh, great to have you on the show today. And before we get into all the politics and the, the mudslinging and everything else, happy birthday. This, Thanks, is, this is a big day for you. Yeah, it is. One foot in front of the other, you know. <laughs> uh, congratulations on that. And it's your son's birthday. It's my granddaughter's birthday. So there's, there's a lot going on here. An important day. <laughs> it, it is. And let, let, let's talk a little bit about what's going to be happening. And, and I, I wanted to focus, if we could, Badger, on, on those two leaders. Because we've been talking about them uh, a lot in the last little while. Are they going to survive? And I think one more than the other, I guess, because uh, Doug Ford, of course, in a majority government situation. Uh, and how could he possibly mess that up? Uh, but he's sure trying, isn't he? Oh, in a big way. And he's not done yet, Bill. That's the thing. You know, we, we you know, he's, he's announced that he's going to put all those lands back into the green belt, and he's sorry, but there's Plan B. And Plan B is the 413. So if he builds the 413, which he says he will, that again helps his buddies, the developers. Mm -hmm. So he lost in plan A, this is plan B. And that will be a big boon to the development industry when that highway goes up to wherever it's supposed to come out, barrier or south of Barrie. So he, he's not done. And in Hamilton, he got around it there by st still taking out the green belt but calling it a municipal boundary expansion, forcing it on the city by you, by the yeah. way. But call it, you know, we, we have to extend this boundary in order to bring in housing. Hamilton was dead against it, but he did it anyway. And isn't one of the, you know, the owners of the property there a, a friend of the premier? And he's going to benefit tremendously by that decision. Yeah, clarify that if you could, because I, I think a lot of people just heard the the story, or maybe heard the headline, read the headline, which is often the case, of course. And they've made, oh, he's had a, 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 a come to Jesus moment now, and he's gonna. I, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, blah blah blah. He hasn't really fixed the problem, has he? I mean, he said, okay, those parcels, there's parcels. As you talked about, Hamilton's still going to have to deal with this urban boundary expansion, yeah. and that's going to be a big headache. Uh, the Globe and Mail's reporting this morning that apparently there's two other tracts of land just north of Toronto uh, that he's not touching. I mean, they, they, he's given them special consideration, you know, one of those ministerial orders to go ahead and do that. He didn't even talk about that, so it wasn't included in that announcement that he made a week and a half or so ago. So that one's going to go on, and that's right in the middle of the uh, the tender fruitlands and the, the very sensitive environmental area called the, uh, the, 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 the Oak Ridges Moraine. Uh, they're going to start building houses on that. So he, he has not really recanted on this, has he? As far as I'm concerned, he hasn't learned a thing. 
I mean, he might have, like you said, this come to Jesus moment. Well, it, that lasted about uh, 30 seconds, quite frankly. And what we're saying now is him getting around that announcement and saying, okay, we're not going to do this, but don't look over here, folks, because we're going to do that over there. So, he, like I say, plan B is almost as good as plan A. And he is determined, determined beyond determined, to make sure that the, he feathers the nest of the developers. It's just, it's quite unbelievable when you think of it. Well, and as you say, it seems to be, you know, full bore ahead, and he's going to get this thing done one way or t'other, uh, despite the ramifications. Uh, the, the piece of uh, property you're talking about uh, with the 413, that particular highway, and there's also, of course, another uh, project that he wants to do just south of Barrie uh, that's going to have an impact on, well, what I consider to be one of the most profitable uh, and, and lush uh, agricultural areas probably in North America, and that's the Holland Marsh. Uh, you can't do something like that, Badger, as you wrote about, you can't do something like that right beside the Hall of Marsh and not have it impact the Hall of Marsh. Water tables are, are everywhere. And if you're going to do something here, it's going to have an impact over here. They don't seem to care about that. That whole area, the Oak Ridges Marine, particularly the Oak Ridges Marine and the Hall and Marsh, are very important areas to agriculture. And, I mean, like you say, you know, that canal area, as we call it, you know, it is probably the most prime agriculture land in North America. Mm -hmm. And that highway, the way it's being proposed, is going to cut through that. Uh, It's it's exasperating for for anybody that lives in that area, for anybody that's an environmentalist, or anybody that just wants to see things left alone. And that's not going to happen. I mean, if he builds that, thir- uh, you know, Highway 413, it's going to have a huge impact. It crosses all kinds of water tables, like you say, swampy areas, etc., etc. For a highway that many the municipalities that are affected by it say it's not necessary. Well, and the studies I've seen, they do say, okay, let's see if there is any merit to this. I, I think they suggest that if you did this, uh, what's it going to save? For people that are making that drive from that point to this point, I think they they save five minutes, five, something like that. It's yeah, a ridiculously low number, yeah. so it's hardly worth it. It's uh, and So the justification for it simply isn't there, but of course the justification for the urban boundary expansion uh, wasn't there either. Uh, but there's an impact on this, as, as we've talked about, I think, on a previous program. Steve Clark, who was the municipal affairs minister uh, previously to this, uh, and he this was all over him. I mean, he uh, he has resigned. Uh, so there's somebody else in that portfolio now. So there was going to be a cabinet shuffle, uh, but then a surprise announcement. Probably, I think it was just the day after that uh, when his labor minister Monty McNaughton resigned. Uh, now, when you're knee deep in doo doo here, uh, you don't want probably the most respected guy in your cabinet uh, jumping off ship, and that seems to be what happened here. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Monty is a very decent man. Yeah. yeah. I've known him for some years now. I can remember when he first arrived, and I think I took a picture of at the time of his little girl coming up the main steps of Queen's Park. And But he's a decent man, and I, I, I don't know the, the background on this. I haven't chatted with him about why he left, but boy, you can... You don't have to. You don't have to be uh, a mathematician to draw, you know, to figure this out. That he's probably thinking, you know, 
maybe I've had enough of this. You know, because you, really, what kind of voice do they have in that in that cabinet? Everything comes right down from the premier, and which isn't unusual, I know. But and he was a good labor minister. He did a very decent job in terms of getting uh, labor on side mm -hmm. with a conservative government. I, I think that's going to slide because he's not there. I think it's going to slide anyway because uh, of, of you know the approach he's taking to governing. Well, let's talk about that. And like I say, I, I respected him. I had him on the show numerous times uh, because he was a newsmaker. You know, the, the, the PC party in Ontario spent very little time or attention uh, with organized labor. As a matter of fact, there was usually a very antagonistic relationship between the two sides. Uh, the Harris government comes to mind. Uh, so, you know, they pretty much every time there's a provincial election, uh, they just wrote off the Labour vote and simply said, well, they're all going to vote NDP, maybe a few of them to the Liberals, uh, because of some of the education things that McKinney and others were doing. But McNaughton, uh, I think, was one of the key factors in bringing Labour, at least organi organized Labour, construction industries, etc., behind uh, Doug Ford, which nobody ever thought they were going to see in their lifetime. Uh, and you're right. I mean, the, the the stories I've heard about him, he's a decent guy, uh, obviously small C conservative with his values, uh, but he's not pompous. He no bombast there. Uh, he doesn't step in in the muck like a lot of his uh, his his you know cabinet colleagues do on a pretty regular basis. Uh, you can't afford to lose guys like that. No, I I think you know. I mean, I'm not covering Queens Park anymore, but I did cover when he was there. When he was in opposition. I think it's a I think it's a big loss, whether whether uh, Mr. Ford, the premier, knows that or realizes that or even cares. That's who knows. But I really do. I think that's a, a big loss for him. He's he's you know, how can I put it, Bill? He's broken faith with the public, and that's hard to repair. This whole green belt thing, I don't think he ever thought in his wildest nightmares that this was going to have the backlash it has and and then he had to apologize and said we did the wrong thing and that well he knew right from the outset he was doing the wrong thing but he, he got caught and now he's you know he's saying okay i'm sorry people aren't aren't going to forgive him uh you know they it may, you know we're a long ways away from the election but right now he's persona non grata with a lot of people but he's been down this road before and, and not only survived, but of course in the last election he even increased his, his majority. Uh, but I think, as you've mentioned, uh, with previous governments, both federal and provincial governments, there is a, a breaking point, isn't there? I mean, you know, I, I, you're right. I think a lot of politicians figure, okay, this is going to be a really tough decision. I'm going to get a lot of shit for this from a lot of different circles, but it dies down because this is Canada. After a week or two, or especially over the summer break, everybody will just forget about this because they're busy doing other things with their lives. This one's not going away. Uh, this issue, and, and I think you've nailed it. It's not necessary. It's yes, they're upset about you know incursions into the green belt, but I think they're more upset about the fact that he lied yeah. thirty-five times. He vowed that he was not going to do this, and then he went ahead and did it anyway. Um, you know, everybody's allowed to make a mistake and say, "Okay, I screwed up. Give me another shot at this." But thirty-five different times, he and, and Minister Clark said, "This is not going to happen. We're not going into the green belt." And then he turned, turned it. So, a lot of people are. You know, questioning right now. Well, what can I kind of trust anything this guy says? And some of some of your former colleagues at Queens Park are just having a field day with this. 
you know, that this whole policy about urban expansion apparently was being determined on a massage parlor bed in Las Vegas, uh, you know, because somebody got a big check and, and one of the deputy ministers was, was there. That's not the way you're supposed to be running the government. Well, who's he, who's he, you know, it, it really raises the question, Bill, who's he governing for? Is he governing for you and I, is it, is it the folks down at, you know, mm -hmm. Elko or, or DeFasco or, you know, or, or trying to put food on the table right across this province? Is he, is he worried about them? It doesn't appear so. He's worried about developers. Imagine it, you know, we, the figure was that if that had gone through, these developers were going to reap. Eight billion dollars. Yeah. Well, that's based. Those figures are based on 2015 figures. So you know it's probably upwards of 10 billion dollars that they were going to reap if that had gone through. And here's people trying trying to make ends meet. You know, with the increased you know uh, cost of living, be it, be it gasoline, be it food, whatever, everything's high these days. And he's worried about developers. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, it just, it doesn't make sense. People, people are going to hold this against him. You know, how long they do is another question. But this is sticking against the wall for him. Well, and I guess what exacerbates the situation is, is there are, in some circles anyway, still mixed messages coming out about this. I mean, some of your, your former colleagues, uh, columnists in, in some of the Toronto papers, for instance, and a couple of them in Ottawa, uh, are still saying, look at, you know, the Ford did this with the best of interest. We need housing in this province. And, and this was going to be the solution to it. And now these guys have come along here and they've undercut the premier. And now we're going to be in even a deeper crisis. That's a load of crap. Uh, do you really do these people really and they, these are people I like I read their columns uh, I respect their ability as journalists but you can't let partisanship uh, rule when you're trying to inform people about things like this if you're a small c conservative or even a supporter of the PC party in Ontario God bless you that's that's fine but at the same time you've got to face the facts and say hey they screwed up here and and that's just not the case these days there is no bloody way that whoever has owns that land that's that was freed up anyway they were going to build affordable housing on it. You know damn well what they were going to build there, and it's not going to do anything to solve the housing crisis. We need housing. I mean, that's beyond question. They know it federally. They're looking at it federally. They're looking at it everywhere across this country. <laughs> but you don't, he had, he struck a task force that told him, you don't need this land. There's lots of land available, already available within the municipal boundaries and elsewhere for housing that you don't need to, you know, cut up the green belt. And he ignored it entirely. You know what I find interesting about that? Uh, that report, and Tim Hudak was on that committee, and you know Tim, of course, when he was the, the leader of the PC party in Ontario in opposition. Uh, when they did that work, and I had Tim on the show a couple of times as they were doing their, their you know, show, pony show around the, the province, gathering information. I was interested, very interested, when the report came out, and they they specifically said you don't need the green belt, and I wonder why they put that in because Ford wasn't even talking about green belt expansion then. There was a story when he first got elected, yeah, that he promised some developers developers that, and he said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. So that was a non-issue as far as most people were concerned, unless those some of those people on that committee uh, that were doing the research knew something that we didn't know even back then. Well, Tim's not an idiot. He he knows that's percolating somewhere in the government. Mm -hmm. Be it not publicly, maybe, 
but he was aware that this was being a consideration. And so what he was trying to do was, you know, water that down or get rid of it altogether. But unfortunately, he didn't. He didn't. Then it came along, and then it backfired, and now they backed out. They backpedaled, kind of. Kind of they backpedaled. They haven't entirely, as you pointed out. He's, uh, I don't know, i, I got to get back to say that he's, bro he's broken faith with the public, and that, that is entirely hard to mend. And whether he's able to do it remains to be seen. All right, I got just a, a few seconds of what I want to spend on this, then I want to talk about the, the guys up in Ottawa. Um, so you've got a government, but uh, yeah, they're in a majority situation. But when they're back to the wall like this, like this, uh, that's when the opposition is supposed to come out with with guns blazing. Uh, the Liberals don't even have a leader at this stage; they've got an interim leader. Uh, Mark Stiles, the NDP leader, of course, is now the leader of the opposition uh, when she ascended to that job. Uh, are they are there people capable of holding this government to account in the legislature and in question period? Because if not, this does become an issue. People will, may not forgive, but they will forget over a period of time. I think the NDP leader is doing a pretty good job myself. Okay, she's holding their feet to the fire. She just won't let up. You got to remember, she's the one that initiated this whole thing, with, mm -hmm. you know, with the Auditor General. So no, she she's. I think she's doing a pretty good job in, in terms of just saying, keeping this on the front page. And and now, you know, their, their NDP are calling for another uh, investigation by the Auditor General into the Hamilton situation. Yeah. This has got a lot of legs, Bill, and it's, 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 it's running. And, let, <laughs> and when it's going to stop, I don't know. Well, it's uh, it's it's hard for government to government when they're playing defense all the time, and that seems to be the posture of the Ford government right now, which is, I guess, as good a segue as we can get to by uh, switching our focus from Queen's Park in Toronto to what's going on in Ottawa these days. Uh, you've got a prime minister who is not in a majority situation. He's being essentially uh, staying in power. He's being propped up by the NDP and the deal that they had, and we all know about that. Uh, but I... I got to think, though, Badger, Jack made Singh sitting there saying, wait, this is not what I signed up for. You know, we, we wanted to get some things done, like dental care packages and pharma care and stuff like this. But I didn't think he'd be going around doing this sort of crap. And the latest, of course, was, was recognizing a former Nazi, I guess, uh, during uh, uh, the, the visit, of course, from the Ukrainian president. Uh, and, and that sounds bad enough. But the reaction to it and the prime minister's non-reaction to it initially is, is just digging himself deeper into this hole that he seems to find himself in. I don't know if he can stick around, Bill. I really don't. I, if he sticks around, we're looking at another Kathleen Wynne situation here. Where if he goes in the next election, I think he could. I think he could just set that party back in its heels like it's not been set back before. People are tired of him. They made it painfully audit, you know, honest, and and they, you know, and poll after poll says the conservatives are, are leading, and. I, I, I know he's, he's pretty good on the election uh, trail, but not that good. And he, Does he, he care that, the, that his party seems to be going down the dumper? Well, that's a good question. I, he's a, a bit entitled, let's face it. You know, I mean, he's, he's a, I, 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 I've always referred to him as an overage frat boy. And 
He's, he's entitled. Now, whether he's crazy enough to drive the bus right off the bridge remains to be seen. But at, with the way it looks right now, he, he is determined. He said over and over again that he's going to run again. I think it would be a fatal mistake for the liberals. Because I, I really believe that this is the, the divide is just too much for him to bridge. And, and the, the irony here, I guess, is these are really non-policy issues that, that are sinking him. Uh, it's the way in which he handles these issues and the way in which he handles people and staff in situations like this that I think are really getting under the skin of, of an awful lot of Canadians these days. Uh, I, and, and, you know, you've got to kind of remove the, some of the BS and the rhetoric from, from Polyev and some of the others about their characterizations of some of these things. Because uh, it's just not true. I mean, you know, he blames this whole thing, of course, about the, the, the Nazi thing uh, during uh, the, the, the visit. It's all Trudeau's fault. Well, it's not. Uh, and, and I'm not defending Trudeau because everybody knows how I feel about Trudeau. But I was watching uh, CTV the next day and, and Tom Mulcair came on, of course, the former NDP leader. And he says, that's just not true. He says, what, no, he says that doesn't absolve Trudeau by any stretch of the imagination. But that was clearly in the, the speaker's job and he screwed this thing up royally. But he's the prime minister and he's got to respond to this and react to this. Uh, and he just didn't do it. Eventually he comes out with a half-hearted apology. And that's too little too late in most people's minds. He's always too little, too late. That's the problem. Uh, it, you know, to suggest that he's responsible for that, uh, you know, the former Nazi, you know, being lauded in the house, that's not, as you point out, that's not Trudeau's fault. I mean, it's just nonsense. But at the end of the day, he's, he is the premier. But to, to suggest that, you know, got to remember, they all raised, they all got on their feet and clapped. It wasn't yeah. just the liberals or, you know, the blocker, everybody did. So they're all culpable in a way. And to suggest that, you know, one is more culpable than the other is nonsense. And, and Justin Trudeau did not appoint the Speaker. That was elected by Parliament. So, you know, and you can't vet every decision. I mean, he has to be responsible. And he's gone. That's all well and good. Uh, but there's another interesting story that appeared in the, uh, the Toronto Star uh, that I, I wanted to raise with you today. It was just in the Monday edition of the Star. Uh, basically suggesting that, look at uh, there's going to be a new speaker that's going to be voted, by, again, by Parliament. Uh, this is probably the low point when it comes to, uh, I'm going to use parliamentary procedure and parliamentary ethics, which I think is now an oxymoron. Uh, who can they elect to that particular job? Who can bring these guys back and, and, and stop the, the clown show? I mean, these guys look like a bunch of kindergarten kids on a sugar high each and every day, and nobody seems to be able to control it. I don't know if anybody can control it, Bill. Uh, I mean, it would take an iron fist to do it. And, I mean, it just it means it would mean throwing some of these clowns out, saying you know, saying outrageous things that you wouldn't say in a in a schoolyard. You know, they're talking you know talking to each other and taunting each other like like there's some kind of you know gang. It's 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 beyond the pale. Whoever takes over is going to have their is going to have their hands full, and I, I don't know you know who's who's going to want to even step up to that. Man, there's a lot of there's a lot of pluses to being the speaker. Believe me, <laughs> you know the, the residents, you know the, the summer cottage in Quebec and, and and everything else. It's 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 a it's a great job, and but it has its responsibilities, and it's respons one of those responsibilities is running parliament you know on a day-to-day -day basis and 
making these these members behave in some kind of adult fashion, whether it can be done. I, I, God bless the person who gets the job and does it. It's, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, for however long it might be, because I'm starting to hear rumors once again about, you know, whether or not the NDP are going to maintain support for this thing. And, and I think we all know the dynamic here, that, that Jagmeet Singh may have to hold his nose on an awful lot of stuff uh, just to keep this government in power, because there are some things he still wants to see happen vis-a-vis -vis his agenda. And there's no way that he's ever going to get anything from Pierre Polyev if Polyev were to become prime minister. So there's that element of it. But but to your point, uh, Trudeau rules the real Liberal Party with an iron fist, uh, as Jody Wilson-Raybould and others can attest. Uh, even this last cabinet shuffle, uh, you know, people who seemingly had some leadership ambitions, uh, like Anita Anand and others, basically got shoved off to the side or, or out of the cabinet or at least lower positions within the cabinet, which was to send a message, I guess, back off. I'm still the guy that's running the show here. But there's got to be a point, though, Badger, where they're going to say, I don't care what kind of stuff he's going to throw at me in return for the sake of the party. I mean, you know, he's got to go. That's all there is to it. They're whispering it. We all know they're whispering that in the back halls in Parliament. You sure know that every MP, every Liberal MP, got an earful from their constituents during the summer break. And at what point do they start speaking up and saying, I don't give a shit what you think, Mr. Prime Minister. You've got to go. Mark Carney already started that. Now, there's not much Trudeau could do to Mark Carney because uh, he's not in cabinet. But, I mean, others are going to start following at some point, aren't they? Well, you would think he would want to encourage people to show interest in his job at this point. I mean, he's not going to be around forever. You know, what about a little mentoring and, 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 and you know, and looking at the people that hold, you know, uh, prime minister qualities? But he, he can't for some reason. He just can't. He, he can't get out of his own way. And it's, it's going to be the downfall of that party. It absolutely is. If, that, if, he's, if somebody can't sit down, and I don't, I don't expect his, uh, you know, his staff around him because I think they're nothing but a bunch of guest people, somebody's got to sit down with him who's, who's got a lot of credibility. It might be John Cretchen, for example, and say, it's time for you to take a walk in a snow, pal, because if you don't, we're in trouble. Well, the party's already in trouble, and i got to figure there's, a, there's other voices uh, that are suggesting that something like that has done, uh, has to be done, rather. Uh, but is it salvageable? I mean, let's, let's assume that 2025 is going to be the next election. By, by one way or another, the Liberals hang on to power until th that prescribed date. Uh, is, there a, is there somebody that can take the reins of that party and turn things around? Um, because right now, Polyev is winning by attrition. You know, poll after poll indicates that they, Canadians still don't like the guy. Uh, they don't trust him. They don't like, you know, they don't, they, they say, well, we, they don't know him very well. It's, I think it's because they don't want to know him very well because what they see so far, they don't like. But they're, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to say, well, then I'll give this other guy a chance, even all the crap that he's been going through over the last number of years. Uh, the Liberals are going to have to, to do something aggressive here, or the, as you say, they're going to become a non-entity on the federal scene, just like you know Kim Campbell and, and poor Kim Campbell got thrown into the lions. Uh, you know, it wasn't her fault. It was the Mulroney government that was going down the dumper. The Wynn government did the same thing here in Ontario, uh, and and I, I'm I'm sure that these people can read political history, and they know that there's almost an inev inevitable feeling right now that that's what's going to happen to the Liberals if they don't smarten up. Yeah, if Paul Yev wins, it'll be by default. You know, I mean, basically, he, I mean, 
I don't. I think a lot of Canadians aren't don't realize who this guy is, and when they do, a lot of them won't like what they're seeing. It, but is will it be enough? People are just. They've had it with Trudeau. That's all there is to it. I mean, you, we all reach a they all, You know, if we were in politics, you all reach a point where people say, you know, time for you to go. Uh, we've, we've, we don't like what you're doing. We, we, we just basically sick of looking at you. <laughs> in simple terms. And that's the message, clear and simple, that I get almost every day from people. That they just want him gone. Well, it's going to be interesting to see just how this happens, uh, and if it's going to happen, of course, simply because of the fallout. Uh, and these are issues, as you say, that aren't going to go away. Uh, the, the the Nazi issue, uh, as bad as it was, and and, and you know, you know, a, a pox on the speaker and a pox on the prime minister for being so slow to to react to that sort of thing. Uh, the outrage, of course, is palpable here. But mind you, I think some of that is very calculated outrage. Uh, because as uh, one of your former colleagues wrote in the Toronto Star last week, uh, it, it seems to be very prescribed outrage. I mean, they're not making any sort of an outrage about some of the stuff that their own MPs are saying or who they're associating with. Uh, that extreme right-wing leader from Europe that was over there, and there's Dean Allison and, and a bunch of other MPs uh, having lunch with them. But there's nothing said about that, and Polyev didn't do anything uh, with those people in his caucus. So it's, it's pretty selective, but that's the way they play politics. Why would Polyev do anything to his, his own people for whoever they hang around with? Here's a guy that was, you know, did the, the truckers business up in Ottawa, yeah. where, where they were breaking the law without question, and it was go, it went beyond just having a protest. They broke the law, and he's out there slapping them on the back and saying, "Hooray for you guys! You know you're doing a great job." So how can he lecture anybody else about you know who they might meet with or go see? I, we we're just about out of time, but I, one final thing I did want to run past you. We've been talking about you know is Justin Trudeau going to survive? Is he going to step down? Uh, is he going to be forced out, whatever the case might be? But, you know, when we're talking about uh, what was going on here with, with the Ontario circumstance, uh, and we talk about the fact that there's a provincial election coming up, uh, there's some people, not speaking loudly anyway, Badger, but they're asking, I think somewhat rhetorically at this stage, is Doug Ford even going to stick around for the next election? Uh, he's apparently got a very thin skin. I think we can probably say that with, with a, a fair amount of certainty based on the, the way he's reacted to some of the criticism that's going on. Uh, he doesn't need this job. I mean, everybody loves power. We all know that. That's what politicians uh, just gravitate towards is the idea of having more power. Uh, but is it going to be worth it for him? I, I, you know, right now he's got, he's got the development community pissed off at him. He's got a lot of municipalities pissed off at him. Uh, he may just say enough is enough. I'm going to go riding off to Muskoka and, and live out my days there. Or, or is, is the ego that big that he wants to hang out and stay here? Oh, I, I think it, it's a lot of it has to do with ego. But I think he wants to stick around to get that highway through. He wants to say, okay, boys, I couldn't get through plan A, but plan B I can do. And I think he will stick around to make sure that that's a done deal. Well, I guess the other element to this, too, is who uh, are the Liberals going to pick as a leader uh, to lead them into the next election. And we uh, have no idea who's that going to be right now, but that's going to be great uh, fodder for another conversation down the road. Uh, Badger, as always, thank you so much. Great talking with you again. Uh, stay well. Again, happy birthday to you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay, Bill. Thanks again.
Take care. Richard Brennan, of course, uh, who covered Queens Park and, uh, and Parliament Hill for so many years. And that's it for this edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing. I leave you with the words of wisdom from Winston Churchill who said, To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. Are you listening, Ottawa? Until next time, I'm Bill Kelly. This podcast was brought to you by Rebecca Wizens and her team at Wizens Law. Rebecca Wizens is a 20-time winner of the Hamilton Reader's Choice Awards for their exceptional client care and legal practice specializing in personal injury, car accidents, accidental falls, and Wilson Estates. Now, if you or a loved one have been seriously injured, or if you want to make sure that your family is taken care of for the future with the will and powers of attorney, call Rebecca Wizens, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. When life happens, you can rely on Rebecca Wizens and Wizens Law. And trust me, Rebecca is my wife, and I don't know what I'd do without her. That's Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. Subscribe to my Substack for timely news updates and commentary straight to your inbox. Let's keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Let me know what you think we should be talking about next by contacting me through my website at www.billkelly.co. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bill Kelly. Till next time, you take care.